Welcome to the New Hope 365 podcast. Our youth group, G1, currently meets from 7 to 8.30 p.m. on Wednesday evenings. They have a lot of fun activities planned this summer, so be sure to follow their Instagram account, nh365students, to keep up with the latest. Our adult and children's ministries meet Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m., and we'd love to have you join us. Masks are optional. And now, here is today's message. Today... Turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. If you have them, turn in your electronic devices. You can also go to the YouVersion Live, and you can see my notes that have existed there for like the last two months. Um, so I've been, on this topic, I've been on this topic of forgiveness for some time, and it is a big kingdom topic. It's one that we, the church, have to get. When I say the church, I'm talking about the individuals that comprise the body of Christ, one body, many parts. I'm not talking about we the church location. I'm talking about we the church people. We've got to get this, uh, this topic of forgiveness down because it comes in all types of shapes and sizes. In fact, in fact uh, I love what Jesus, when confronted by the Pharisees, they said, hey, teacher of the law, rabbi, what's the greatest commandment? And he goes, well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Oh, and the second is like it, likened unto it. What? Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. In doing so, you fulfill all the law. All the do's and don'ts that culture's perpetuated out there and says, don't do this, you know, uh, and don't do that. And you, you look at that and you go, should I be doing that? Is that honor God? Whatever. If you're thinking about loving the Lord your God with all your heart, and if you're, if you're loving your neighbor as yourself, you honestly, you're not going to worry about a rolling list of do's and don'ts. And the church becomes a life-giving organism that most people, not everybody because they crucified Christ, so not everybody, but a significant majority is going to want to encounter a church where people live that out. It's very, very significant for us. And so I'm going to use an illustration today to hopefully paint the picture for us. And I'm praying, as I've been praying this week, I'm like, Lord, you know just where the nerve's going to hit today. You know online just, God, where the nerve is going to hit today. And this And hopefully I'll get to what forgiveness is and what forgiveness isn't. And if I don't, we'll just have the same notes next week. It's this, okay? It's this. Imagine with me for a moment that you have a thorn. And that thorn is stuck in your arm. And the thorn has hit a nerve in your arm and you're like ah ouch it hurts and so you you loathe going to bed at night because when you roll over the thorn is felt and you feel it in your nerve you then want to go out hiking or doing whatever but you can't even go for a walk in the woods because the thorn hits your nerve when you brush up against a tree and it's bothersome to you you, you create a world where you go to work and you're like, I, I have this thorn. And, and as you're around people, they bump up against you. And you're like, ah, the thorn bothers me so bad. And so 
I thought about, as I was thinking about this, I'm going, okay, thorns. Person has a thorn. Now, what is the logical thing to do with a thorn? Okay, okay. The logical thought to do with a thorn is to do it, to take it out. Makes sense. Oh, thorn, you know, like, pick it out. Woo, I'm free. But imagine, and this is like so many that I've encountered, we create something, and imagine this, you got a thorn in your arm, and so you decide, you know what, I'm going to create some type of mechanism that I'm going to put on myself so that when I go to bed at night and I roll over, I don't feel the thorn. So you're like, you create this mechanism and you put it on. In fact, in fact, you got this mechanism and on top of it, you get this mechanism that so you, now you can roll over and, and, and you can even go for a walk in the woods because honestly, not only do you have the mechanism, but you go and you clear the woods so that in no way is the thorn going to get what? Hit where it hits your nerve and you're like, oh, that hurts. And so you even get noticed for this creating of this mechanism and even get t- taken and put on talk shows. And they're like, he has created this incredible device to stop from any of your thorns hurting. And they're like, whoa, they're celebrating you. And like, you've arrived and you get some public speaking opportunities and you write the book. And you're like, I created this. Here's the thing. Have you really solved the problem? No, you haven't. All you've done is you've, you've actually, what you've done is you've created more problem. And honestly, you're like, now my life isn't ruled by the thorn, is it? I've got this mechanism. I've got the life. I've got the mind. And, and you're going, well, that's stupid. But in our minds, we think we've solved the thorn problem. And then to make matters worse, you decide that you want to start dating somebody. And you're like, oh, yeah, I want to do that, but I don't want to get too close because, you know, I got the thorn. So you even create a more advanced mechanism so so that you can go up and even give hugs to people. And you can have conversations with people, and nobody's going to rub or touch that thorn. Nobody, it's good, Thorn, thorn's good. good. And you do that. In fact, in fact, it's really incredible because you meet this person that says, I'm good with your thorns. I love your thorns. To which, now we've even got a bigger problem. Why? Because not only have you created mechanisms to, to, to solve this thorn problem, now you've met somebody who's probably just as dysfunctional as you, that has thorns similar to yours, in which ultimately all that they're doing is they're, they're just letting you live with that thorn versus being somebody that's loving and saying, have you ever thought about removing the thorn. So, in Ephesians chapter 4, I'm going to go right to 32. 31, go to 31. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. And instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, Forgive one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. And you continue to live your life, and now on top of it, you, you create a ramp system to get into your house. And you, you I mean, you, are, you have got it, man. You get into your car, and you've got all kinds of apparatuses and all of that. And you're like, man, 
I'm so thrilled that the thorn doesn't bother me. But the problem is, is the thorn rules you. And you have become trapped by the thorn. And what our Heavenly Father is wanting to, talk, to, to speak to us today is on this topic of unforgiveness is that, you know what, it's like we go through our life and, and it's like we have this apparatus around us and we've got even people around us like, oh, my husband wouldn't dare speak to that. My, my, my wife wouldn't dare speak to that. Oh, that co- coworker, I'm good with him, but if anything, if, woo, if, they cover, if they cross that line or if they do that one annoying thing again, I'm telling you what, I'm really just gonna lose it. And so you've got this, so to speak, if you can imagine this apparatus on you, that it's good until somehow, some way, at some point, the apparatus has a fault to it. And then eventually your nerves hit, and you're like, oh, man, I don't like that. And now, now what happens is we've got this anxiety, and we've got... We've got these issues that we're, in fact, we're somewhat living in fear because we're like, what happens if it gets hit again? And so you've crafted this world in which our Heavenly Father's going, it's really not a world or a life at all. It's actually pretty devastating. It's actually harmful to you. And even though you're going, man, I haven't felt it in a long time, it's never been taken out and it's in the church and it's called the topic of unforgiveness and and i'd love to say today oh that you guys just just everybody i just want you to go in and be like okay lord i forgive and you take out the thorn don't we wish it was that easy and some of you go well it's really not that big of a problem no it's because you got the apparatus on and you're crafting a world that says, I, I, I won't go there. I won't go to that store. I won't go to that place of business. I won't even have that conversation with my spouse. I won't talk to my kids about that. That hits a nerve. You've created a system to never deal with your problem. And this topic of unforgiveness is one where our Heavenly Father is saying, you have to understand that if you will allow my spirit to come into your life, my Holy Spirit to, to, to come in, what he begins to do in your surrender is he begins to take out the thorns. But first, you've got to take off the apparatus. And you've got to take off this, this shield that says, I, I'm not willing to go there because you have no idea. I'm so insecure. I'm so, I was so hurt. I've been so violated. I've been a victim. And I'm not taking away from the fact that you've been victimized or hurt or broken or had trauma. I'm not, t- but the, our Heavenly Father says, you don't have to remain in that. You don't have to remain in that. And you can actually live a life that Paul is saying, because I'm going, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. I mean, I can forgive you a little bit. Just as God through Christ has forgiven you. And so, as I was studying and thinking about today, here's what I tell you about how this has worked in my life. I don't know if any of you love to uh, weed eat. I don't. I loathe weed eating. Loathe it. 
Um, but it needs to be done or, or whatever. But here's the thing that I've noticed, and even as a kid, my parents would say, would say to me, would you go out and would you pull up weeds? Well, I'd rather eat dirt than pull weeds, okay? I mean, let's just face it, I'd rather, I'd rather eat dirt, okay? So, so what I would do is I would go out and be like, you know what, I am not, gonna, I'm going to take the weed eater. And I'm just going to just go right. Here's the problem, is that in all of that, the weeds, we know this, that weeds spread. So really, all I was doing was blowing weeds all over the place. So the next month, my dad would go, I thought you pulled the weeds. <laughs> I thought you took care of the weeds. I'm like, I did. No, you didn't. Did you weed whack the weeds? Yes, I weed whacked the weeds. I told you to pull them. Because if you don't pull them at what? If you don't pull them at the roots, what happens is that they ultimately begin to spread and they begin to cause more weeds. And before you know it, your yard is full of them. That is like bitterness and unforgiveness in your life. That is the reality of what the Holy Spirit knows will happen if we don't deal with this topic of unforgiveness and bitterness. You don't understand? I was so hurt. I was so hurt. Yes, do you know when that fear creeps up? Do you know where that fear is coming from? It's coming from your past experiences that are ruling you and you've learned to cope. And I don't know about you, but I'm not just wanting to cope in life. I am not wanting to cope. I am wanting to thrive in the power of the Spirit of God. So that literally I can look at you and love you and, and engage you and not just, it, it's easy to love you all. Why? Because we have some things in common. It's called Jesus. But then you go outside and you walk out into the world and somebody does something to you and you're like, ooh, that hit a nerve. Ooh. And before you know it, you're realizing that I actually didn't uproot or I didn't pull out the thorn, I let it fester in my life. And so, my question to you is, what do you want? Do you want to just create a mechanism to sleep at night? Do you want to just create an apparatus that will allow you to get by at work? Do you want to just create the peace that you put on so that you can deal, you can exist with your spouse and hope nothing goes wrong? Or do you want to see your life changed? What will it take? What will it take? So, it's fascinating to me how we take our bitterness and we allow it to spread. And I've, I've asked the Holy Spirit and, and I, I've wanted to have see change come in my life over the years and undoubtedly I've had things done wrongfully to me and I've also done things wrongfully to others. Has anybody had that happen? Yes. You have. And if you're like, nope, it's all good, you probably have the largest apparatus on yourself. <laughs> okay? You probably, you probably have the largest apparatus. And so the process of for forgiveness 
I mean, it is a decision, isn't it? It's a process. And it's, and it's usually, as I found, the intense emotions of grief and sadness and anger. And it's, and it's emotionally taxing. If you've ever been wronged or you've wronged, it's emotionally taxing. And, and I've even found that I've had to do things face-to-face, on the phone, writing letters, you name it. This is how it can birth out of your life and help you to move on and allowing the Spirit of God to work through you. But the process, though, so, so you can have do tactical things, but the process of forgiveness can take days depending on the offense committed. How it harmed you, how the offender responded. So here's, let's go through this. Let's go through this. I'll try to do this as quickly as possible for, to give you an insight into forgiveness as I've experienced it in my life. Forgiveness is, number one, is canceling a debt owed to you. When someone sins against you, a wrong is committed and this debt is accrued in forgiving others, what do you do? You relinquish your right to make them repay. Number two, Forgiveness is removing the control your offender has over you. And as long as your offender remains unforgiven, they continue to loom large in your life, this emotional presence that is taxing. I've received, I've received years later a note from people in an email to me going, Pastor Jason, I am so sorry. I need forgiveness. I, I have hated you. And I'm like, well, why? And I had no idea, and it was harming their life. By forgiving you emotionally, what this does is it frees yourself from that person. Third, forgiveness is giving a gift to your offender and yourself. And think about this, the physical benefits of forgiveness is huge, isn't it? I mean, you know, who wants to go out and run or exercise or pump iron or do anything like that? Or, in fact, what typically you do if you get, you know, you're offended or whatever, you just want to go and eat. At least I do. Let's go have tacos. Let's have a lot of them. Forgiveness is giving this, this, this gift to your offender and yourself and includes benefits, reduced anxiety, stress, blood pressure, mental benefits, all of those types of things, freeing you to move on. And instead of being a life focused on pain and suffering and sorrow, and, and you're now centered on God and others, and you regain health emotionally, physically, you gain a healthy, empathetic perspective. And just so you know, that's a gift to a lot of people around you. It's a gift. When you find somebody that is forgiven, they are a gift because they are no longer the gripers and complainers and the the people that they once were. Here's the thing that I was sharing with some guys this last week. Forgiven people know the power of forgiving others. I know that sounds simple, but it's a gift to your friends, your family, to others. Number four, forgiveness is forsaking revenge. But don't we all love a good revenge movie? And don't we all, at some level, go put ourselves in that scene and go, hmm, I would blow that car up too. <laughs> I mean, that's just, that's just, we're just human, right? We're, we do that. But, but that may be funny in the movies. It's a tragedy when we shape our life around that. So when we seek revenge, 
I have found that I've placed myself morally alongside the offender. I like the old Chinese proverb that says, he who seeks revenge should dig two graves. Yeah, Forgiveness, number five, is leaving ultimate justice in God's hands. And sometimes it's very difficult because, depending on your personality, you have a sense of fairness and justice that you need to have it served a certain way. But the Bible promises that God will deal with everyone in their sins justly. And in forgiving, I've come to the conclusion that I'm not neglecting justice, but I'm rather trusting God for his perfect justice. And let God work that out between him and these individuals. Number six, forgiveness is often an ongoing process. Um, This is a classic that you know probably over and over if you've been a Christian for any length of time. Matthew 18, verses 21 and 22. Peter comes to to Jesus and he says, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? (laughs) No, not seven times. Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Well, that's good for Peter. But what about us? Number seven. Forgiveness is wanting good for your offender. What? You have no idea what they've done to me. And in forgiving them, I want them, I, I, I've wanted people to suffer and struggle at times. And, and instead, what the Lord has spoke to me is I want them to repent and change. And my grace is sufficient to make that happen. Do you know that I can't pray that without the Spirit of God praying that through me? I am not capable. I'm going to try to do this just in the next few minutes. Here we go. That is what forgiveness, there, we could probably add to that, but here's seven things forgiveness is not. And, and so it's important to understand this because there's a lot of twisted, demented thinking on the topic of forgiveness, and particularly in the body of Christ, in the church. For a long time, we have, I've wrestled with this from, the time, from childhood, uh, even to this day, of what people think forgiveness is. It's de- not denying, number one, forgiveness is not denying the sin occurred or diminishing its evil. Okay? That's not, no, no, no. Because for, in forgiving sometimes, we don't say nothing happened. We don't say that or, or something that it's no big deal. Well, if I offended you or if you offended me or if there was sin that occurred, it's a big deal. And, and so, and if that happened, um, here's the thing. Even if it, you know, it's just a little deal, it's such a little deal that Jesus needed to die for it. And he would have if it was just that little deal. But he died for a lot of bigger deals too. Forgiveness is not denying that it occurred. Number two, forgiveness is not enabling sin. To forgive is not allowing offenders to remain stuck. (laughs) It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, I I mean, oh, you you committed that sin. Oh, we're just going to let it go. Oh, so they can do it again. You're like, but but aren't we supposed to, like, just free them? Yeah, free them to what? To remain stuck in the cycle of sin. No, we don't want that. We, we, we in, our, in, our, in our forgiveness, we don't want to enable people to sin, but we can still be truthful and forgive at the same time. Okay? 
We, don't, we can forgive and still be truthful about somebody's behavior. Number three, forgiveness is not necessarily a response to repentant apology. We all want the, oh, I was so wrong. Yes, you were. I was, you know, and you want those moments. You know, you want that. But it's not necessarily a response to repentant apology. And sometimes people will come and say, I asked for forgiveness. Please, will you forgive me? I did not mean to do that. I was wrong. I did this. I shouldn't have done this. It was, it was, it was terrible. But sometimes we don't even know who the offender was, right? There's trauma. And there's all kinds of things that exist We don't even know sometimes how to locate them. And this is people that go through extreme issues. And sometimes a person is even deceased and you haven't forgiven them. And either way, we're to forgive whether there is admission of guilt or not. And here's what's interesting about Christianity. Christianity is unique in this way that whether or not They ask for forgiveness, we forgive them. Other world religions don't do that. You see, I was buried and I came to life and now it's no longer me that liveth, but Christ that lives in me. And the life which I used to live in the flesh, I no longer live for me. I live for the glory of God. I allow the spirit of God to work through me. Does that mean I'm perfect? No, but it means when I see something and it's in front of me, I go, what is it, Jesus, I need to do here? And you may have to wrestle it down. You may need to see a, somebody like my wife, even, you know, a, a professional counselor that, that will help you work through some of that. Maybe you need to go see a minister. Maybe you need to go see a leader or a friend and talk things through. But Christianity doesn't allow us to have an out. Forgiven people forgive Number four, forgiveness is not covering up sin. In fact, this is where I've found this a little shady over the years in some places that I've been, is that it's not covering up sin committed. In fact, if a crime is committed, we can still what? Forgive and seek legal action. Did you know that that's okay? Number five, I know there's nerves today that are, there's, there's some thorns hitting. The apparatus isn't working for you. Forgiveness is not forgetting. It's common, have you guys ever heard it, forgive and forget? Forgive and forget, forgive, forget. Just let it go. Woo, it's gone. Here's the deal. It's not spiritual. You go, well, wait, wait. He takes, he takes and says that, Jesus, you know, God said, I will forgive their iniquity and their sin, and I will remember them no more. He didn't mean he has no recollection or he wouldn't be God. If you believe in an omniscient, omnipotent God, he didn't mean no recollection. That's impossible because he's God. Instead, it means that God, this is huge for us, doesn't begrudgingly hold yours and my sin against us and keep it as a basis of our identity. In interaction with him. That means that I said something yesterday or I did something the day before. Or I'm going to do, do something today and that's going to be bad. And our Heavenly Father doesn't begrudgingly hold it over our head. He actually has forgiven it. And for those of you in Christ, He's forgiven it in advance. Did you get that? If you are in Christ, which is Ephesians' journey, Paul, Jesus knew 
Our Heavenly Father knew all the sins that you would commit till your very end. That's hard to wrap your mind around. So, so when we forgive someone, we're remembering the sin so that we can forgive it. <laughs> and to demand that someone completely forgive without remembering it, um, that, that he or she has been beaten or raped or, or betrayed or any other of those sins is impossible. And it adds a burden to people to walk around and go, oh, the church told me to forgive and forget. That's God, you know. Here's the the thing. If there's going to be true healing, it's going to come from the power of the Holy Spirit and probably some wise interaction with people that will pray pray with you and work you through that. But how do you forgive something that you forget? You can't forgive something that you've forgotten. Number six, forgiveness is not trust. I've, I've learned this. Forgiveness takes a moment I have found, but trust is, is, it takes a long time. It's built over time. And once it's lost, it can be difficult to rebuild. So I can forgive you, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to just come in and go, we're all good, you know, meaning I'm just going to trust you. And, you know, no, no, you've got to build that in relationship. Last one, and then I'm done. Forgiveness is not reconciliation because what is reconciliation takes? It takes a sinner. It takes what? It takes this this sinner to repent and a victim to forgive and it, it takes both of those to reconcile and therefore unless there's that those two components reconciliation can't occur which really means that there's probably a lot of broken relationships that have existed or exist but i would say this that your forgiveness is the beginning of potential reconciliation it's the beginning but not in and of itself because you have to have two. I would be curious, I'd be curious, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, I'm curious of who would actually have had reconciliation occur throughout their life. Yeah, it's huge. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you'd like to dive a little deeper, you can join Pastor Jason each week for the TruthCast a weekly podcast on Instagram Live, now on Thursdays at 12 p.m. Simply follow NH365RoundRock on Instagram, and we'd love to have you be a part of the conversation.